The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. It's time to get fired up. Fired Up is a show that delivers both business impact and social importance. Get ready to explore the connection between communications and human motivation. Our guests will share ideas on how to create higher returns on your communication investments by engaging the people who matter most. Our host, Gordon Rudo, CEO of Bonfire Communications, has bridged the communications gap from startups and nonprofits to the Fortune 500, from political leaders to celebrity CEOs. Get ready to be fired up with your master communicator, Gordon Rudo. Well, good day, everyone. Welcome back to another mind-expanding episode of Fired Up Radio. I am uh, I'm really glad to be back with you today. I had a week off, as I mentioned on an earlier episode, for the birth of our second child. So for, for those of you, the few of you who are wondering and care, uh, uh, we had a little girl, came to us last Tuesday on the 14th at 10.30 or so in the morning, weighing at uh, 7 pounds, 2 ounces, 20 inches tall. Her name is Jada Skye, so she's now completing the, the family tribe. And for those of you who could care less, and I think that's probably the majority of you, uh, if you're concerned with things like uh, leadership and communications, uh, creating organizations where both business and the people meet their potential, uh, where employees feel connected, inspired, engaged, performing at their best, uh, this is what Fired Up is all about. And I think we have a great show for you today. And we've had some terrific thought leaders on in the past, and I, I explained this in an earlier episode as well, that these have been primarily consultants. Uh, authors and thought leaders that have a particular expertise that has been expanded inside of uh, very large organizations and therefore touch millions of lives. Well, today uh, we have a guest who also impacts millions of lives, both as a leader of an organization and one whose product is in literally four out of five households in the U.S. Not many products can claim 80% penetration into this market, but uh, his can. So we'll spend our time on his role as a leader, uh, a little bit more than we will on the product, um, which you'll, you'll learn about uh, both fronts. But his book that outlined his leadership perspective, Helping People Win at Work, it's a great book. He wrote it with Ken Blanchard. It's based on this philosophy called Don't Mark My Paper, Help Get Me an A. Uh, so I want to welcome Gary Ridge. How are you doing, Gary? G'day. Thank you, and congratulations on the birth of your new daughter. That's a, a positive, lasting memory. It is. It was actually a pretty amazing home birth using a hypnobirthing technique, which we could have a whole episode about, but I won't bore my, my listeners with it. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you spending time with us today. I think this is going to be a, a rich conversation for folks in this. Uh, we can stay focused, if it's all right with you, a little bit, again, more on your company and your role as a leader and a couple of areas of focus in reading your book that I've just spent time on. Uh, really the issues of performance management, and this notion about creating a culture of learning. How does that sound as a focal point? Fantastic. Okay, good. So before we go there, Gary, uh, you know, everyone has a different perspective on what a CEO should do. And I'd love to hear and for you to share with our listeners how you frame your role as CEO and how you frame that to your organization, to your direct reports. How do you think about your role and where do you spend your time? Well, I think that it's, 
you know, I often say I'm in charge of corporate well-being, and and I need to make sure that the the organisation wakes every day and is in a in a state of of performance ready that allows it to achieve its goals of of maintaining and growing a, a, an economy over time that rewards its shareholders and its people and uh, and you know that really all comes down to at the end of the day it's it's all about the people uh, and creating an environment where people are doing meaningful work um, and in doing meaningful work uh, are um, very clear on on the value that that delivers and that it's in line with, you know, the destiny that we've set out for ourselves. So um, I think it's, it's just creating a, a continually growing and enriching and rewarding environment for people to practice their skills. So you use a couple words, uh, nourishing, meaningful work, continual growth. I mean, as an Aussie, is this is this sound like soft stuff to folks at home? Oh no, I don't think so. Um, you know, us, us Aussies just always hard nosed. Uh, you know, I think we we know what a good life is in Australia, and uh, we also know what meanings are and what memories are. So, uh, no, I don't think so at all. I I think those who want to um, de-emphasize the value that having a a meaningful work organization can have times might look at it being soft but um i think we're, we we uh, we we're both balanced you know it's it's a matter of balance really you've got to care about people you've got to be candid with people you've got to hold them accountable and expect them to be responsible so those four things are very much the pillars that we need to work on okay uh, well, that's the role of CEO and how you see your position. How about the role of employee? And, and I ask you this because I've worked with plenty of leaders who describe their, their, their role of employee in meaningful ways, but they, really they look at them as a necessary evil or as kind of a nuisance in the organization or even just a, a cog in the system. Um, but reading your stuff and speaking with you briefly, uh, it's clear that you don't look at employees that way, that they are a, a valuable asset, if not the most valuable asset in the organization. But can you describe how you frame the role of employee, and what programs or policies do you have in place to illustrate that commitment? Sure. Um, you know, it's a bit like if you think of uh, a, a, a flock of sheep and a shepherd. The shepherd is there on behalf of the sheep. The sheep aren't there on behalf of the shepherd. Um, so our role really as leaders is to protect, develop, and, um, and, and enrich out, as I call them, tribe members. Some people call them team members. So that they're put in a position where they can perform their par- uh, personal magnificence on a daily basis. And it really comes from having a very clear understanding of what um, your joint expectation of each other is, creating an environment where feedback is given, and it's given in a a, a context of I mean you no harm. I'm I'm not giving you this feedback to punish you. I'm giving you this feedback to help develop you. And you know, having people adopt and and during an adoption stage, you're rewarding them, adapt, and that means you've got to have a coaching and encouraging type of mindset. And then finally, when things are embedded, you know, it's about acknowledging and cheerleading. So. You know, we are really here to do to do exactly that is to 
um, have an, create, create an environment where expectations are clear, feedback is, is open and honest and, and given in a caring way, and coaching and development is done in a way that uh, um, takes people to their next level of magnificence. And, uh, you know, there's many, many ways that we do that. Our, our performance management system that's, that's in the book is very much about that. Um, it's about those, those elements. Uh, internally and externally, creating an environment where where learning is is really the key. You know, we say at WD40 Company, we don't make mistakes; we have learning moments, and that takes away fear um, because a learning moment is a positive or negative outcome of any situation. So it's all about creating that culture within the tribe. So we have to take a short break, but before we go there, and I want to speak more about this tribe aspect. You have a whole vernacular around tribe and tribal council, which I want to spend time on right after the break, but. Just in terms of definitions, you talked about the role of CEO, you're explaining the role of employee, and actually the role that leaders have in relationship to employee. How about one more definition around employee engagement? Because this is a term that means a lot of things to a lot of people, uh, but I think you have a perspective about this that is, is pretty focused. Can you describe who's responsible for employee engagement? How do you think about it at WD40? Well, employee engagement is, is, is really to us a, de- a description of people doing meaningful work in the now and we actually um, defined what meaningful work is so that we had an understanding of what we were trying to create and meaningful work in the definition that we put is conducted in a manner that's good and proper in all aspects that is po- that positively affects our tribe and our communities that provides learning growth and off- offers challenge it requires creativity pushes us to surpass our limits and creates exciting results. It provides recognition and reward for our achievement and allows us to succeed as a team while excelling as individuals. It allows us to enjoy the ride and bring humour and fun into our workplace. So these are the elements that we look at as saying, is our work providing that to our people? And are we communicating and sharing how those elements are satisfied within the organisation? Uh, very clear definitions. There's a lot of meat there. I hope people are taking notes because there's a lot of takeaways here. And I think uh, your last study showed about 93% engagement. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, we do employee opinion surveys. We've run them uh, every 18 months since 2000 and the year 2000. And in the last one, uh, 93% of people in or employees in WD40 uh, were um, identified in the survey as engaged, which is a pretty good number. So before we get to break, I hope our listeners uh, took a couple clear uh, ideas out of that. Employee engagement doesn't need to have a Gallup Q12 definition or any sort of instrument type of definition. It's about a definition that's right for your culture, right for your business, and it's a matter of committing to it, less about how, what instrument you use or how you define it to the marketplace, but owning it and making it your own and, uh, and driving a truck through it. So we're going to spend more time with Gary right after break on how he actually does this and talk about this, this whole vernacular around tribes and tribal council. We'll be right back after this short break. Stay tuned. Fired Up on WebmasterRadio.fm will return after this short break. 
Does your website need a bailout? Looking for a conversion rate stimulus package? Do you need a website improvement to-do list? On Target, a subscription service from Future Now and Brian Eisenberg monitors your website 24-7, analyzing the actions of every potential customer. It gives you a to-do list. It tells you exactly what to fix and how to fix it so that more of your visitors do what you need them to do. On Target pricing starts at $1,000 a month. See more at futurenowinc.com slash on target. I'm Brian Eisenberg, and I approve this message. Friend Finder. Friend Finder. The world's largest online dating network. Featuring over 100 million profiles at hot sites such as Passion.com and FastCupid.com. Represents enormous profit-making opportunities for webmasters just like you. With, with Friend Finder's ability to geo-target and provide billing solutions in most languages and currencies, you are sure to find our comprehensive network to be a good friend to your wallet. Wallet. Get more traffic-maximizing details now at FriendFinder.com. Hey, affiliates. Do you find it a challenge monetizing traffic from the U.K., France, or India? You need offers that will appeal to all of your visitors, no matter where they come from. AdsMarket.com has met this challenge and has turned it into a science. AdsMarket.com gets results for publishers and advertisers with a winning formula. The combination of offers, worldwide traffic, and AdsMarket's up-close and personal media management is exactly the boost needed to monetize international audiences. AdsMarket.com. The science of performance. Life tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Or on demand anytime inside the entertainment channel. Only on webmasterradio.fm. You're getting fired up. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Now, here's Gordon Rudo. So we are back with Gary Ridge, CEO of the WD-40 company. Those who have not gotten that so far or saw that on the heading that you clicked on to listen to this radio show, uh, tremendous organization with a great reputation back from 1953 where it created its formula. But again, we're not spending as much time on the product yet. We will at the end talk about some fun stuff. But we're talking about employee engagement and the role of employees and, and leadership in a highly engaged organization. And, and let's talk about this tribe element because I think this does play a, a considerable role in how employees feel about the organization and this relationship that they have within the context that they operate. So what does tribe mean at WD-40 and, and tribal? Uh, you have a tribal council. So describe that for us. Well, let's look at the difference between a tribe and a team as an initial look at that. Um, a a team is something that you play on at certain intervals. You you play on it to achieve a certain single game, and you could be on it or off it. Um, you you don't ha- have longevity when you are part of a team. It, a team normally comes to an end. Tribal, when we think of tribal, we think of a tribal organization as something that you can actually belong to. And we've identified a few attributes of a tribe that we really think are important. Looking back over tribal culture over the years, the Australian Aborigines, the American Indians, but if you, we, we, we really studied and said, well, what were some of the attributes of a tribe? And we saw that the number one attribute of a tribe was learning and teaching. If you were to think about tribal leaders in the past sitting around a fire out in the outback or out in the desert, uh, the tribal leader would spend a lot of time 
sharing his learning and teaching with the, with the younger tribe members. So a key responsibility of, of tribal leaders is to learn, teach, and to share that, to be inclusive and evolving. The second thing is important is tribes have identity and belonging. And one of the biggest needs we have in life, and it's, you know, Maslow, Maslin talks about it in his hierarchy, is people want to belong. We belong to football teams and we belong to clubs and we belong to families. So we believe a tribe has a belonging to the good for the greater good. Belong, and I said belonging is one of the, the, the strongest human desires. The next thing we have in tribes is folklore. And we wanted to identify folklore because folklore can be restrictive and negative or positive in enabling so we want to be able to say, well, you know, if that is folklore, st- still do we believe it? Tribes have warriors, and warriors defend each other. They defend the tribe, and they're brave and determined. And, but as well as that, they, ha- they have people who do in- individual work, which builds personal esteem, building a, a high de- degree of confidence in their own ability. Tribes have culture, so that we need to understand what are the, the, what are the traditions, the, the codes, and the unique languages that is feeding into the cultures. So we want to recognize culture, particularly if you're a global organization as we are. And c- tribes have customs. So we want to understand what those tribes are. Tribes have ceremony. So we want to make sure that we are respecting ceremony, whether it be the integration of a new tribe member, recognizing a new tribe member, rewarding a new tribe member, or farewelling a, new, a, a tribe member. And then tribes constantly evolve, so they have to be adaptive. They, have, they are limited sometimes by their environment, so they have to be aware of that, and they have to work for the future. So they're the elements we look at and focus on of saying, are we meeting these elements, these, these elements within the tribal culture? Because all of those together gives you an organization that knows it's part of something that has a long term. So when did you introduce this notion? And it, it sounds like it's very flushed out at this point. Did, was it rolled out in its initial stages as flushed out, or did it evolve organically? Tell us about the evolution of this concept. Well, it all started back, um, we started back with, with you know, the, 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 the business model, that I, or the, if you will, the, the leadership model that, I, that, I, that is in our book where, where it talks about clear vision, clear set of values, learning environment, and then from that, um, you know, we looked at, well, what, what are the important areas that, that needed attention, and belonging was one of them, and I went back, I guess, in the early 2000s and, and was started to get intrigued about why, are, why, why, did, why do tribal cultures and customs carry on for so long, and we did some I did some work on, on understanding that, and, and then we pulled out these as being the attributes and saying these are important to us, let's start develop, developing them. So it, 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 as it does, it, it, de- it developed over time, but it, the tribal part developed very quickly, really, and people embraced it reasonably quickly. People at you know, WTalk, 40 companies, talk about being part of the tribe. They're, they're tribe members, and it was so natural for them to say, yeah, well, I belong to the WD40 tribe. Um, because that's a place that offered more than just being part of a team. Interesting. And, and it's pretty unique. There's a lot of uh, language that floats in the marketplace, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's how an organization truly lives and it's really part of their culture. So this is a central part of, 
of how you operate as a business and, and what you affirm in your culture. The other thing I want to explore that you affirm in your culture is innovation. And I know that innovation is a challenge in any company, but with the siloed nature of companies and as they go global, this is increasingly challenging. So tell us more about how innovation and creativity and ideas live inside your tribe and how do you, how do you reinforce that? Well, firstly, you know, we, we made sure that we, we made it a focus. Um, I, I believe that people who are taking care of today probably don't get enough time to take care of tomorrow. We formed a, a group within our company called Team Tomorrow, um, and Team Tomorrow um, are our innovation group, and they focus just on revenues of the future. So this gives them the focus and the the um, the resource to be able to say, you know, I'm not going to. They're not going to let the the urgent necessarily take over from the important. They're not going to let the, get caught in the, what I call the thick of thin things. So we give them an absolute mission and goal, and team tomorrow then go forward and 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 use all of the innovative tools that we have to do that. The other side of innovation is too is you know kind of internal open innovation where having this learning moment mentality is we have we have people sharing on a constant basis because every idea is a great idea they might always not they might all not fly but everyone's a great idea and they're recognized for having that idea um, so we want to encourage you know that mental agility to be able to share on an ongoing basis how how people think we can in, improve and one of our values that is embedded in our business is you know we um, we value the, the the value of making it better than it is today, uh, and that's a value that we look at all the time. How can we make something better than it is today? It doesn't mean that we don't respect what it is, but we believe you know we all have something significant yet to do. Um, so let's let's find out what that is and let's respect the past, but let's really embrace the future. Okay, and also from what I understand, when it comes to innovation, there's reinforcement mechanisms like contests or incentives that you have around ideas. You still doing stuff like that? How does that work? Oh, certainly. When we first started to make these changes early on, you know, we we asked people globally to to share with us, and and we've we've had um, contests where we've given trips away around the world, and, and 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 you know, again, the prize is really part of it. But when you're when you're trying to get people to adopt new um, behaviors like sharing of of innovation, you really have to reward them for it. Um, and we've done many things to, to do that, everything from, you know, spot awards to monthly contests over time where, where we've asked people for the, you know, the, the best innovation or the best improvement. One of the great things we did was we had a, uh, we formed what we call the um, Stupid Policies Group. And um, we, we said we want, to, we want to identify all the stupid policies in our company. So we got a group of employees together and they went through all our policies and just said, you know, which ones are stupid? And you know, and we found out they were stupid for one or two reasons. They either were stupid, and or people didn't understand them. And again, that's some of the refreshing things we do here. Is we say, there's a lot of stuff here we probably do that's stupid. So let's flush it out and let's decide whether we want to continue to do it or people just don't understand it. And was that group accountable for revising something that's stupid into something smart, or did they bring it to a council? What happens from there? Uh, that group actually then went to. You know, it was a cross-functional group, and they identified these stupid policies or what were seen at the opening to be stupid policies across all the functions. Then they go to the functional heads and say, well, this has been identified. What do you think? And, 
either it was stupid, and if it was stupid, there would be, you know, there'd be consensus to chuck it out. Or in a lot of cases, we found that people just didn't understand it. You know, they said, well, that sounds stupid, but why do we do that? And once we did, dug into it and explained the value behind what we did, then it was allowed to live. Um, and some of them did live and some of them did go. But that's something that you've got to refresh, you know, on a, every couple of years basis because stuff kind of creeps into your business and it, and it sort of is allowed to live there because no one challenges it anymore. There's, there's always a lot of champions to bring stuff in, but there's never a lot of champions to take stuff out because we always right. reward people bringing in ideas, but we never reward them for taking them out. It's like, you know, do you want to go and collect the milk off the front door or take the garbage out? Well, I prefer to bring the milk in because I'm going to make, you know, latte. If I take the garbage out, what am I doing? Or taking the trash out, what am I doing? So we want to make sure we, we get a balance between rewarding in and also rewarding out. That's a, that's a great point, and it's so important to actually cleanse the system. If the system is full of stuff, adding more stuff, even if it's great, doesn't really make the system all that more uh, all that much more healthy. Absolutely, and that's that's really what's been a lot that's gone on in the last year in these new and challenging times that we've had in the economies around the world. It's forced people to think and act in in new and different ways, which has caused them to really mandatorily cleanse their businesses. Um, so, you know, even though this has been tough times for a lot of people, I am very, very, very optimistic about the future because there's been a lot of cleansing going on and people and companies were given the moral and social permission to do that cleansing in these new and different times where really we should have been all doing them as a refreshing, a refresher of our businesses over time. But we got too caught up in what we were doing. Which brings up the much bigger issue around change. Do we change because we really want to or we are proactive about it or we see healthier alternatives? Or do we wait until things are really broken and we have to? Uh, but you know what, Gary, we're going to have to take another short break on this point, and I want to come back to things that are, are keeping you up at night and challenges that you're having right after we come back from break and deepen our conversations on performance management and culture of learning. Stay with us. We'll be right back with Gary. Stay tuned. Fired Up on WebmasterRadio.fm will return after this short break. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. So you're telling me your affiliate program on the local Pages Affiliate Network is performing as well as your handicap? Absolutely. Thanks to their top-tier XML feed, I'm able to monetize all of my traffic. They handle all of my volume to anywhere in the world. Plus, I also get high cost per click and the most exclusive of advertisers to work with. You should join the club. Sounds good. I can't wait to join. But first, let's work on that tee shot. Use the power of local pages with over 5 billion searches per month and the largest database of paid search listings. Let Local Pages Affiliate Network personalize your account and give you the search tools and solutions you need. Become a Local Pages Affiliate today with localpages.com. 
Did you know? 99designs is the leading marketplace for graphic design on the internet. Did you know? 99designs connects you to a community of over 35,000 designers who will compete to do the best work for you. Did you know? 99designs allows you to post projects for Lolo design, web page design, t-shirt design, and more. Did you know? 99designs projects need an average of over 70 different design options for a price that you set. 99designs. When designers compete, you win. LPO, landing page optimization, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the advertising channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. You're getting fired up, only on webmasterradio.fm. Now, here's Gordon Rudo. So we are back in our closing time with Gary Rich, CEO of the WD-40 company. And Gary, you've just given us a lot of information about your culture and about some structures that you put in place, some of the language and some of the key concepts you put in place. Um, we talked about silos and breaking down silos, and you talked about creating fields of learning and learning moments. How does that relate? I think there's a linkage between the performance management focus that you have in the book and your culture of learning. Can you tie those things together for us? Sure. You know, um, silos of, of knowledge become places where people hoard uh, and also grow authority, um, you know, sometimes the more I know and the less you know, uh, the more power I have. And and what we what we do here is we we, we break down silos of knowledge knowledge and turn turn them into what we call fields of learning. So, you know, I love the saying: "I will lend you my eyes; you lend me yours, and let's see what we both can see." And we do that in in making sure that there is a open communication. We have a um, a pledge that we call the Maniac Pledge at WD-40 Company. And let me just share it with you. It says, I am responsible for taking action, asking questions, getting answers, and making decisions. I won't wait for someone to tell me. If I need to know, I am responsible for asking. I have no right to be offended that I didn't get this sooner. If I'm doing something others should know about, I'm responsible for telling them. And we call that the WD-40 Maniac Pledge. And it's really at the base of sharing our knowledge and learning. You know, I, I really believe that reasonable people who share the same f- values and absorb the same information will probably come out at a similar outcome. And in most cases where people aren't at a similar outcome, it's because they haven't absorbed or shared the same knowledge. So it's, it's very important to have a culture that freely shares knowledge across all of the functions and all of the, the geographies um, so that people do become informed and can make those good judgment decisions. I think that is absolutely terrific. And I've seen so many organizations where there's some internal conversations in little pockets of the business that understand that. But to make it a pledge, to make it something that everyone signs up for uh, is an outstanding step forward. And link it, if you could, to performance management, because I think that people are seeking, as you say, a sense of belonging or a sense of achieving their next levels of performance. And if they can't gain that from holding on to power, I think your performance management system that I read in the book really gives people an idea of how to stretch themselves and how to perform and link it to the vision and the strategy. Can you just summarize your performance management system and your key idea or the kind of kernel behind that before we go? Sure. Sure, sure. Ken Blanchard, who, uh, who, who authored the book with me, or 
Um, when he, I met him a number of years ago, he used to be a professor at Cornell, and he, he said something in the class that I was in where he said, you know, at the beginning of every class, I give everyone the final paper. And I spend the rest of the year teaching them the answers because life's about getting A's, not some stupid distribution system. And I went, duh, why do we then wait all year in most organizations to sit down and do a review of someone's performance? We get a job spec, and at the end of the year, we review them against the job spec. What, what is fair about that? What right do we have to... Um, at the end of the year, uh, share some areas of improvement with someone when we should have been sharing it with them through the year or at the beginning of the year so that they could get an A. So our system is really pretty, pretty simple. At the beginning of the year, um, our, our coaches sit down with our tribe members and they identify three to five of their key goals for the year uh, three to five of the, the key elements of, or essential functions of their job specification. They put against each one of those a clear statement of what an A looks like. And then on a, on a, on a time-managed basis, and we happen to do it every 90 days, the employee or the t- tribe member themselves reports back to the, 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 the coach how they're performing against that identifiable goal. And they grade themselves, are they getting an A or a B? or in some cases a C or an L, which it means is a learner. Well, the role of the coach then is to help that guy or girl get an A. So if someone's getting a B, it could be because they don't have the right resources, they need extra training, they're not getting cooperation across departments, um, there's a, a, a something in the environment of the business that is, that is retarding their ability. So the responsibility then is for the coach to do that. So by the end of the year, they've had these formal, informal conversations all along. By the time the final review comes, the tribe member knows exactly what their grade is because they've done it. Hopefully it's improved over the year and they've been coached into getting an A. I get a list of all of the grades every 90 days and the first thing I do is I pick up the phone and I call the coach of any tribe member that's got a B and I'll say, hey, can you help me understand what are you doing to help that person get an A? Because it's your responsibility as the leader. Remember, the shepherd is there on behalf of the sheep. It's your responsibility as the leader to do whatever you need to do to help that person get an A, whether it be coaching, whether it be encouragement. Maybe sometimes there's some tough love administered where maybe it's resources you've got to bring to the... What is it? Um, Maybe it's redirection, whatever it is. Maybe it's that hard conversation needs to be had. But whatever it is... It's about both of you working together with a responsibility primarily with the coach to help that person get a night. So there's a ton of accountability on that coach and on that leader and manager. But I think you also Absolutely. said, if I heard you correctly, that there's also accountability on that tribe member or that individual contributor for them to come back every 90 days and have a sense of where they're going, to be connected to that, those goals, to make sure that their performance is resonating against what they're responsible for, and then for them to be accountable to, to have that conversation with the supervisor, is that right? Yes. Oh, the, the, both have, the, the accountability for the conversation goes both ways. Um, the accountability for the improvement is absolutely within the tribe member. The accountability for providing the platform and the coaching for the improvement is with the, tri- with the, the coach or the tribal leader. Okay. It's, it's always an interesting de- debate. Is it 100% responsibility for the employee and then not for the manager? Is it a 50-50? Bev K., one of our first guests, describes it as a 
and puts the 51 in the place of what you're calling the tribe member to make sure that they're accountable to knock on the manager's door because there needs to be a knock in her world at some point. And that knock to be the accountability of the individual to say, here's where I am, here's where I want help, and here's where I want to go next. Well, if the, if, the, if the accountability is clearly defined at the beginning, then it's pretty understandable who's accountable for it. It may be 100%. For example, let's say that you've got a tribe member who keeps coming to late to work every day. And, part, and, and this is very rudimentary. And part of the, the A says you will come to work on time every day. Well, if that person's not coming to work on time every day, and that, let's say that the, the tribal leader has done all they can to help them, he's bought them an alarm clock, he's calling them at home in the morning, whatever you need to do, the accountability in that case is 100% on the tribe member. They, you know, they, they're making a choice to come to work late. So in that case, you know, they're not even trying to get an A. On the other hand, you might have a situation where a tribe member... Um, is, is got, has a measurable goal, and let's say that they have a competency gap, and to, to fill that competency gap, they need some training. Well, if the, if the tribal leader isn't providing the training, then he's the tribal leader has really got that responsibility because they're the ones who can enable and allow that to happen. So I don't think it's finite. I think it's situational. Uh, much more to talk about here. Unfortunately, we're running out of time. If you could, and I, I hate asking our guests to do this, well, that's not completely true. I actually enjoy asking my guests to do this, but it's always a challenge. So in the last uh, minute or two, if you can, all your years, and I read from your book that you had some tremendous teachers back in Australia, some great mentors um, that you learned from. Out of all of your leadership lessons, if you could summarize, it could be under the culture of learning, performance management type of heading, what would be a couple takeaways? If, if our listeners want to take action on some of your core philosophies, what are a couple things that you could tell them to start doing or thinking about more closely? Uh, remember that you're consciously incompetent. Don't be afraid of the words, I don't know. Understand that surrounding yourself with those who are greater than you will uh, um, benefit you. Um, listen with the intent of being influenced. Um, and when you've got all of the feedback and information that you need, act, act with, with, with speed and accuracy. So as our listeners are probably getting, uh, there's a ton of nuggets that you can take away here. I urge everyone to check out Helping People Win at Work, a business philosophy called Don't Mark My Paper, Help Me Get an A. So you can check out Gary Ridge and WD40 at WD40.com. And a couple things, just in case you didn't know about WD40, beyond the 2,000-plus uses that you can learn about, are a couple of the, the key ones that I wanted to take away that you may not be thinking. A little-known fact, WD-40 is fantastic at removing stickers from your piano keys or from CD cases, and everyone struggles with the CD case issue. They can clean old coins, one that I have personal issues with, removing marks lot or permanent ink from some items. Uh, it can lubricate tuning gears on your guitars or your robot joints and can even polish and shine seashells. So you're going to check it out at WD40.com. There's 2,000 uses for this stuff. It's everywhere in 80% of the households. Uh, a couple of the great stories you'll, you'll read on the website as well. Uh, there's literally a story where a bus driver in Asia used WD40 to remove a python snake from underneath the bus, or even a story where police officers used WD40 to remove a naked burglar who was trapped in an air conditioning vent. 
There's terrific stuff in there. So check out WD40.com. Check out Gary's uh, book with Ken Blanchard, Helping People Win at Work. And appreciate you spending time with us today, Gary, and uh, wishing you all the best in your leadership journey. And I, I very much appreciate a couple of these takeaways that you're giving to our listeners. I think there's a lot of fantastic information. So thank you so much. Uh, you're more than welcome. Believe in yourself. Never give it up. Take one day at a time. And remember, we all have something significant yet to do. There you go. From the mouth of Gary Ridd, CEO of WD40. Thank you, folks. Uh, check us out next week on Webmaster Radio, Fired Up Radio. Also check us out on www.twitter.com forward slash Fired Up Radio. We'll check you out next week. Take care.